Western world, meaning the developed countries of Europe and North America, established an enviable lifestyle that developing countries around the world sought to emulate. Expansion of global trade through the 20th century and continuing to the present brought the perceived benefits of commerce and wealth to billions of Earth's inhabitants. As per capita wealth has grown, many have sought to emulate the rich lifestyle of the West. Better streets and sanitation, advanced medical care, increased personal liberty, and sometimes hard-won freedom of the press have expanded around the globe. I believe those advances can be considered positive. Along with those improvements has come the growing intrusion of scientific farming methods. In many ways, this development has been of value by increasing crop yields to feed the growing world population, and factory farming practices utilizing growth hormones and antibiotics has expanded worldwide to drop the cost of meat by a third since 1970. More consumers than ever can indulge their appreciation and preference for red meat. But not all the crops are purely beneficial. Do we need more opium out of Afghanistan? Or more wheat out of anywhere? And as much as beef, pork, and lamb are relished by millions, is it really such a good idea to eat a lot of red meat? Epidemiological studies indicate otherwise. Hi, I'm Mark Timmon, the Healthy Geezer. I have a master's degree in clinical nutrition, and I've been studying the nutrition and biochemistry behind health and disease for over 49 years. If you want to know how to build better health and protect yourself against disease, then this is the place for you. Welcome to the Healthy Geezer podcast. This is episode 5, How to Be a Smart Meathead. As meat consumption has increased, so too have the diseases of affluence increased in countries where Western-style diets have been more broadly adopted. Where once diets contained some poultry, seafood, fresh vegetables, and rice, with occasional pork, beef, and lamb, higher incomes have brought pork, beef, and lamb to the center of more dinner plates. Correlating directly with the increase in red meat consumption is an increased incidence of all cancers, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, diabetes, and autoimmune diseases like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Ignorance of nutritional science teams up with the assumption that wealthy consumers eating red meat must know what's best to convince us that red meat is good for everyone. Delicious recipes created by celebrity chefs and promoted in their books and restaurants add to the allure. But how much do you truly know? People who adopt diets heavy with red meat think they know enough to make the choice, yet it turns out that acceptance of red meat as a cornerstone of the diet is an example of the Dunning-Kruger effect on a grand scale. We all were too ignorant and sufficiently incompetent to understand the dark side of red meat's health effects until about 2014. At that time, the specific influence of sialic acids on the tips of glycoproteins natural to red meat were discovered. They overshadow the typical suspected villains of heme iron, nitrates, nitrites, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, antibiotics, and growth hormones as the primary dangerous feature of red meat. Cooking practices and pretreatment of meat can compensate for nearly all other harmful aspects of red meat, but the offending glycoproteins are structural parts of each cell in a piece of meat. They are in the meat and cannot be avoided except by avoiding red meat. But before I trigger defensiveness among steak lovers, I would like to offer the idea that we 
are all in the same boat regarding much of what comprises the human diet. Nutritional science is barely past 100 years old. We are still unraveling the good, the bad, and the perplexing impacts of most of the foods we have selected by trial and error over millennia when there was no science to guide us. So let's see what science tells us today, starting with some basics. <clears throat> Humans are mammals. That's pretty basic. The red meats we consume come from mammals. Why then do not other mammals, especially the carnivores, demonstrate an equal risk for the cancers, vascular diseases, and diabetes associated with red meat consumption that we see in humans? Is it because lions do not eat enough humans? No, there must be something unique in the human genome that leaves us susceptible to something in red meat. Could it be that humans have been poisoning themselves by eating red meat for millions of years? Could it be that the travails of Paleolithic hunter-gatherer lifestyle so shortened their lives that too few seldom lived long enough to experience the long-term ill effects of red meat consumption? The quick answers are yes and yes. But there is more to the story. The wild meats our ancestors ate were certainly cleaner. They lacked the hormones, antibiotics, and environmental pollutants with which we have infused our present-day factory farm meats. Wild meats were more nutrient-dense because the animals consumed wild plants grown necessarily on virgin soil or preyed on other wild animals. They were lean, and what fat they did contain, at just 4% to 6%, was rich in cardioprotective, anti-inflammatory, joint-lubricating, brain-building omega-3 fatty acids. But does something lurk inside even wild meat that works against human health and longevity? It looks that way. Enter the phantom in our opera against red meat. Enter sialic acids. Sialic acids are a family of 43 different derivatives of neuraminic acid, a simple sugar with a nine-carbon backbone. Glucose, our blood sugar by comparison, is a simple sugar with a six-carbon backbone. Sialic acids are found in plants and lesser organisms such as fungi and yeast, but are primarily found in vertebrates, that is, animals with backbones. The most common member of the family of sialic acids is N-acetylnuraminic acid, abbreviated NU5AC. That's NU spelled N-E-U, followed by the numeral 5, capital A, and lowercase c. Sialic acids are found especially as components of blood glycoproteins and glycoproteins in outer cell membranes. To clarify, glycoproteins are proteins with sugars attached to them. They are embedded in the outer cell membrane with the sugar facing out. Sialic acids are most often linked into the end sections of the protein. Glycoproteins are active binding sites, somewhat like flypaper, that attract other circulating proteins with complex sugars and or other glycoproteins on them. The resulting hookup initiates cellular reactions. Lectins from grains and legumes, antibodies, messenger proteins, the cytokines, bacteria, and viruses are just some of the agents that can find their way to specific glycoproteins in the cell membrane to influence nearly every cellular process or to initiate disease. I'll apologize to vegans in advance for what comes next. I don't mean to offend, just describe the facts. When we eat muscle and organ tissues of animals, we eat their cells with their forms of sialic acids. In general, 
The human mammal, while eating beef, pork, and lamb, the red meats, consumes identical, convertible, or similar sialic acids to our own. Of particular interest, we end up consuming glycoproteins containing the sialic acid N-acetylnuraminic acid, the NU5AC I mentioned earlier, and another glycoprotein carrying the sialic acid N-glycolylnuraminic acid, or NU5GC for short. We can incorporate NU5AC and NU5GC into our cell membranes, so eating red meat leaves us with abundant NU5AC sialic acids in our cell membranes at the ends of the glycoproteins sticking out of them, and a respectable amount of NU5GC at the ends of other glycoproteins sticking out of our cell membranes. But beginning about 3 million years ago, the sialic acid NU5GC became a problem where once it was an accepted player in our biochemistry. Back in the old, really old, dim, dusty days, around two and a half to three million years ago, our proto-homos, the guys who are not yet homo sapiens, had the capability to enzymatically convert N-acetylnuraminic acid, NU5AC, to N-glycolylnuraminic acid, NU5GC. They had an enzyme called the CMAH enzyme that could change the sialic acid, NU5AC, into the sialic acid, NU5GC. These two nine-carbon sugars could then be found in the cell membranes of our ancient beyond ancient ancestors. A gene called the CMAH gene orchestrated the production and vigor of the CMAH enzyme. Makes sense. It's kind of like John Doe Sr. having a son, John Doe Jr., Anyway, the CMAH enzyme converted NU5AC to NU5GC. Just for fun, CMAH stands for Cytidine Monophosphate N-Acetylnuraminic Acid Hydroxylase. Hmm, that's not quite Shakespeare, is it? So, uh, back when Homo habilis was contemplating how eager he was to morph into Homo erectus, he was like all the other mammals. He had NU5AC and NU5GC in his cell membranes, and the enzyme to change A to G if he needed to do it. Then something peculiar happened. An unknown prehistoric environmental condition made it advantageous to pass on a flawed form of the CMAH gene from one generation to the next. This gene had a glitch in it. It told cells to build deformed, truncated types of the CMAH enzyme that simply wouldn't work. Was the change random, or did the change take place to assure survival for some positive or negative reason? A positive reason would be to enhance reproduction and therefore assure the survival of the species. If losing the ability to synthesize NU5GC conferred enhanced fertility to females, their offspring would become successful survivors and progenitors of the human race. Or maybe our ancestors avoided a lethal pathogen when they lost the ability to convert NU5AC to NU5GC. Sialic acid-containing glycoproteins and glycans in cell membranes play fundamental roles in a cell's interactions with biochemicals it encounters, as I mentioned earlier. Glycans, by the way, are complex sugar structures in cell membranes that also contain sialic acids. Among the many interactions glycoproteins and glycans can participate in lurks the possibility that a deadly pathogen may have an affinity for a new 5GC glycoprotein and latch onto the cell at the site of that glycoprotein. We have modern-day evidence of such a possibility. 
The lethal malarial parasite, Plasmodium reichenaui, has a strong affinity to bind to red blood cells containing NU5GC. If the ability to synthesize NU5GC is lost, the pathogen is thwarted, and survival of the species would be improved. Our ancestors apparently dodged the bullet of Plasmodium reichenaui. Chimpanzees were not so lucky. Losing the ability to change NU5AC to NU5GC is what we call a negative adaptation. We lost something to find survival, but we did not escape entirely. Today we are targets of a newer malignant malarial parasite, Plasmodium falciparum, that targets NU5AC glycoproteins and other glycan carbohydrates in our red blood cell membranes. Life seems to be one long Olympic competition for survival against adversaries from the tiniest one-celled creatures to the largest and most complex, like a saber-toothed tiger. Whatever the reason, the mutation of the CMAH gene is thought to have occurred between two to three million years ago, causing a subsequent and significant change to the sialic acid configurations of cell membranes. Humans became the odd mammal among all others, the ones with an abundance of NU5AC in our cell membranes. But other mammals retained the ability to convert NU5AC to NU5GC. We ate them then, and we continue to eat them today. Eating their meat, whether wild or domesticated, persists in delivering NU5GC into the human diet and into human tissues. And to this day, we will stick NU5GC into various places where sialic acids are needed even though humans have not made their own NU5GC for more than two million years. NU5GC is consequently found in the cells lining the interior of organs, in the cells lining arteries and veins, in fetal tissues, and abundantly in malignant tumors, carcinomas. But how does it get there? Free unbound forms of NU5GC and bound forms, called glycosides of NU5GC, are highly enriched in red meat. It is absent in poultry and nearly absent in fish. That bears repeating. NU5GC is absent in poultry and nearly absent in fish. Back to red meat. We want to pay close attention to the glycosides because the bound forms of NU5GC are bioavailable. Eating the bound NU5GC as part of the glycoproteins in the cell membranes of red meat leads to the incorporation of NU5GC into the wall of the small intestine, from where it is slowly released and seeps into circulation at a steady state level for several hours. NU5GC is subsequently incorporated into glycoproteins and glycolipids in the brain, liver, heart, muscle, and other tissues. Thus, NU5GC from food can be metabolically placed into human tissues. Free NU5GC that might have been liberated during red meat digestion is rapidly absorbed and equally rapidly cycles out of the body in urine within four to six hours without finding lodging in human tissues. Only trace amounts can be detected in saliva and facial hair. The speed of absorption and excretion of free NU5GC seems to restrict the efficiency of its incorporation into human tissue. The faster it is absorbed, the less easily it is incorporated. Thankfully, not all ingested NU5GC automatically takes up residence in cell membranes throughout the body. But a diet wherein red meats are consumed daily will ultimately maximize the presence of NU5GC. 
Beef, pork, lamb, and dairy products made from cow's milk contain high amounts of NU5GC. Human metabolism then treats NU5GC as it would NU5AC, building it into the carbohydrate structures that coat the surfaces of cells, as well as onto many soluble proteins. But the sialic acid, NU5GC, which was once an accepted component of cell membranes, is now recognized as a foreign, non-human substance that was disinherited two to three million years ago. It's a musty, linen-dragging mummy come back to stalk our health. In the brain, very little NU5GC is found, while NU5AC is abundant. This is true in all mammalian brains, indicating that there is a protective mechanism for the brain that limits its content of NU5GC. Recent tests conducted in mice demonstrated that the accumulation of NU5GC in the brain resulted in abnormal locomotor activity, impaired memory, and abnormal insulation and structure of the long nerve fibers of the brain, the axons. The mice were also lethally sensitive to a NU5GC-preferring bacterial toxin, even though only the brains contained excessive NU5GC and other organs retained normal levels. It appears the unusually strict evolutionary suppression of NU5GC in the brains of vertebrates may reflect an adaptation to avoid the negative effects of certain pathogens on neural functions. This is not to say that only NU5GC is a magnet for pathogens. Influenza has a special affinity for NU5AC. Indeed, glycoproteins are somewhat two-faced. They are needed for elemental functions of biochemistry to occur, including those involved with immunity and reproduction, and yet they can also exacerbate infection and disease. The accumulation of NU5GC through red meat consumption is most critically associated with diseases unrelated to its simple receptor status for specific pathogens. Simply put, NU5GC in cell membranes can trigger immune responses. NU5GC has effectively become an antigen that stimulates the production of antibodies against itself and the tissues it has become part of. Your immune system now interprets the sialic acid N-glycololnuraminic acid, NU5GC, as a non-human substance, something foreign that must be removed. Incorporation of NU5GC into the tissues of red meat eaters can bring on the inflammation associated with an autoimmune response by provoking antibodies against this xenoautoantigen. And what is that? Since an antigen is something that can induce an immune response, and the prefix xeno means foreign or other, a xenoautoantigen is something non-human. That automatically triggers an immune reaction. It comes from the Greek xenos, meaning stranger, guest, or host. So, when NU5GC undergoes metabolic incorporation into human tissues as a foreign antigen, it can trigger chronic inflammatory immune reactions that lie at the foundation of crippling, life-shortening diseases. You see, it's okay for your immune system to come on strong to fight off an infection by the measles virus or to help repair a broken bone. But once the job is done, the inflammation and pain from the immune reaction dissipates, quiets, and leaves you alone. But a diet overloaded with red meat can fuel a persistent, low-grade inflammation as your immune system battles to remove NU5GC. Tissue damage, dysfunction, and weakening can result. Let's summarize. The CMAH gene makes an enzyme that changes the cell membrane sugar NU5AC to NU5GC in almost every animal with a backbone 
except us. Yes, just as we lost the ability to synthesize vitamin C somewhere along the evolutionary trail, we also lost the ability to change Nu5AC to Nu5GC. Not just you, I, and your friend Stan fail to convert Nu5AC to Nu5GC, but humans around the world have closed down the CMAH gene, production and activation of the enzyme that converts Nu5AC to Nu5GC subsequently ceased. That leaves humans with a problem. If we encounter Nu5GC in our diets, particularly from red meat and cow's milk, the sialic acid sugar can still take up its former place on our cell membranes. But so much time has passed, nearly 3 million years, since Nu5GC was part of our cell membranes that it is no longer recognized as a natural part of our cells and tissues. It is now seen by our immune system as something foreign, an invader, a toxin, an antigen. It is something that must be removed. A quiet yet relentless low-level attack is mobilized. The inflammatory reactions associated with debilitating diseases have begun and can disrupt normal functions and physical integrity of life-sustaining organs and tissues. Disease appears. It is well known that the long-term consumption of red meat is an epidemiologically reproducible risk factor for human carcinomas. What that means is that scientists have recorded an increase in multiple types of cancer in every society that adopts westernized diets rich in red meat. These diets have been linked to increased incidences of cancers of the lung, pancreas, colon, and breast. There have been suggestions that this may be related to several other risk factors, including nitrates in processed meats. But Dr. Ajit Varki of the Departments of Medicine, Pathology, and Cellular and Molecular Medicine, Glycobiology Research and Training Center, University of California, San Diego, makes a compelling case for the xenoautoantigen trigger provided by Nu5GC. Experimental evidence in a human-like CMAH-deficient Nu5GC mouse model shows that Inflammation caused by this antigen-antibody interaction between Nu5GC and the immune system can promote tumor progression. This suggests a likely mechanism for the well-known epidemiological link between red meat consumption and cancer risk. But how can immune responses leveled against Nu5GC accelerate cancer when it is known that immune cells can fight cancer? Several things could happen. Tumor cells have several ways to defend themselves. They can generate their own antibodies that increase chronic inflammation, leading to additional production of reactive oxygen species which can damage DNA, facilitating carcinogenesis. Tumor cells activated by phagocytic macrophage cells may activate internal survival pathways that could lead to uncontrolled proliferation. Or, engagement by the tumor's antibodies may change macrophages into type M2 macrophages. M2s can inadvertently and most markedly promote cancer by sending messages to turn down the immune response that might otherwise seek out tumor cells loaded with new 5GC. Although much work still needs to be done to unravel the intricacies of new 5GC's interplay with the inflammatory mechanisms tied to cancer progression, Dr. Varkey recognizes that many of those mechanisms are also present in other inflammatory diseases, including atherosclerosis and type 2 diabetes. The bottom line, the most critical link between meat consumption and the diseases of affluence may have been identified. The smoking gun may have been found, and it seems to be hiding in the corner of every crime scene.
It appears to be NU5GC, a xenoautoantigen found almost exclusively in red meat and dairy products. My suggestion is to avoid red meat by choosing poultry and fish instead as your preferred sources of animal protein. That way you can dodge the NU5GC bullet. Thank you for listening. Our theme music is by the Camden Jazz Trio. You can find episodes of the Healthy Geezer podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Podcast Gang, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and wherever you go to access podcasts. Episodes, as well as written transcripts of the podcast, plus blogs on additional topics of health and nutrition, are also available at our website, www.marktimmon.com. Click on the Healthy Geezer at the top of the page to access the podcast. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend to tune in to The Healthy Geezer, and be sure to subscribe by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast directory's platform. If you have questions, I will do my best to answer them. Just send an email to mark at marktimmon.com. That's Mark with a K and Timmon with one M, all as one word, M-A-R-K-T-I-M-O-N.com. Finally, I hope this next message becomes obsolete very soon. But if anxiety or depression is beginning to build as the COVID-19 pandemic drags on, or for any other reason, I recommend visiting ellen.online, ellen spelled simply E-L-I-N, for their natural anti-anxiety formula, Serenity. Taken as directed, it can adjust brain chemistry to quell anxiety and lift depression without side effects. They've also got the best spirulina on the planet. To learn more about COVID-19, check out a few of the blogs at marktimmon.com and listen to episodes three and four of The Healthy Geezer to unravel the biology associated with some of the dangerous events of the disease. Knowing the enemy helps us devise protective dietary practices that may restore health and preserve life. (music) 